Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You play bridge, Jane. <laughs> Eight card games. Um, you've seen Saltburn, haven't you, Eve? Yep. What is so dreadful about it, then? Why Just it... go and see it. Well, I will, but why? what are people talking well, about? I can't tell you. Okay, welcome, welcome. Are we ready early. to go? Um, so we're already going. Okay. Um, it is Wednesday. Uh, we're a little bit giddy. Uh, we're playing Christmas carols on the Times Radio show today. And also, it is our programme's Christmas dinner tomorrow night. So um, I think the... I think the anticipation has got to people already hasn't it we've circulated the menu yeah and, and we should say there's only about is it six of us seven <laughs> is it seven okay. seven of us yeah remind me who my dear colleagues are <laughs> <laughs> they are eve oh yeah she's in the room with us yeah, now no i'm not gonna forget her yeah me yeah rosie yes kate yes megan yes anar oh lovely okay I wasn't sure whether Anar was Would you like them to wear badges? Yeah, it would be helpful. Yes, it would be helpful. Especially after the drink takes cold. Mind you, I've given up drink, as I've made very clear. Um, I had a little episode which I've been mulling over whether or not I should mention it, but now I'm going to decide to put it out there. Are you drunk now? No, (laughs) but nearly. (laughs) High on life. Um, I had one of those incidents where I became the middle-aged woman on the bus. Where I (laughs) Have you ever done this? I told off some youths. For swearing, no, I've never told anyone <laughs> not? for swearing. Okay. No, just, a couple of these lads got on, and honestly, their language—it was laughable. It was laughably bad, considering it was mid-morning. It's quite a crowded bus, full of very small children and elderly people going about their entirely legitimate business. And what age are these youths? These youths <laughs> put them at about fifteen. Um, one of them was wearing his his trousers so low down on his buttocks that I think it had tempted every single other passenger on the bus to just yank them, just to actually just oh just put them right down. He could hardly walk. He was taking such care to keep them on when they were almost at knee level. I'm not joking. No, I know what you mean. It was utterly I think, isn't it called, ridiculous. It's called showing, isn't well, it? Well, I just wish that he wouldn't show. Anyway, uh, the conversation went as, went as well as you might expect. <laughs> so that would probably be the last time I tell off some youths. So did they turn on you? Um, th- not in any physical way, no. They were, they were verbally. I, they gave me a few verbals, and I'm afraid, I've, I'm afraid I gave it back. But it, we parted 
on relatively good terms when I, I got off at my stop, in fact. I didn't get off any earlier, and I wished them both a very happy Christmas. So it was only two of them? Oh, yeah, it was only two of them. OK. In all fairness, I wouldn't have taken on more than two. OK. <laughs> Is this a double-decker, or are you on just a single bus? <laughs> One of those small choppers. <laughs> it was a small chopper, it was a double-decker. I was on the bottom of the double-decker, yes. at the back. It's probably my own fault for sitting close to the back. No, I don't think so, no. because most most youths go upstairs on a double-decker. I double know decker. they do. But it just would have been funny if it was on a chopper. <laughs> I don't know why. It wasn't on a single-decker, no. Um, but it was just oh, what, You know, the thing is, what should you do in those circumstances? They were being offensive. Well, I would never intervene because I'm too scared of some kind of yeah. retribution that I wouldn't really be able to handle. I also, I've got quite a high tolerance level for swearing, so I'm a little bit potty mouth myself. Oh, yeah, but you wouldn't be on a bus. You no, I mean, you you're right, I wouldn't I mean, be on a bus. <laughs> Just no. No, when you're an old lady, I think you and I will both be travelling around London entirely free of charge, yeah. swearing at... Um, oh, I see, I, 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 I would... Concur with that vision of the future. Oh, absolutely. Anyway, it's just I'm just saying, has anybody else done that? Have you ever... Because the number of times in my life, you'll be astonished to hear, I have chosen to ignore things like that. But on this occasion, for whatever reason, I just didn't want to ignore it. Mm. And I think also, I'm not sure that you would give a ticking off to maybe 19, 20, 21-year-old blokes, but I think 15 is... Well, almost still young enough to feel a little bit maternal. Uh, there was an element, a tiny element to that, but also it was in the middle of the... They should have been in school. Yeah, you're right. Uh, you know, that's just... Obviously, I didn't I didn't suddenly say, aren't you in double geography, officially? I didn't go that far, but it was just... Anyway, I'm, I am the neighbourhood Nelly. I am yeah. the old woman on the bus. Now, before you get to the greatest photo opportunity of all time, oh, yeah. which we're going to put up on the Instagram... How many Christmas cards have you got so far this year? Uh, three. Only three? Yeah. Okay. I haven't, well, I'm assuming they're Christmas cards. Three cards have arrived. I haven't opened them. Have you not opened them? No. Okay. Because I am topping out at six, but I think that's it. I don't think any more are coming at all. I did buy some stamps today, but um, the pl- the price of a first class stamp in Britain. It's huge. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I did actually. You're what? And also, they're... Um, what is it? It's over a quid. Yeah, it's £1, I think they're £1.20, £1.30, yeah. I mean. Uh, and also, they're, um, they're Charles stamps. Is that not good? Well, it's not the same, is it? I asked for the Christmas ones. Uh, I didn't get Christmas, I just got King's Head. Right. Mm. I can't take it seriously when it's not the Queen on the stamp. I don't think they're going to deliver Charles stamps. <laughs> Do you not? No. Anyway, the really awful publicity photograph that has made, for whatever reason, they've chosen to put it in The Guardian today. It's one of the worst photographs ever taken. And it's to promote, and I use that word advisedly, um, the uh, to me, rather appealing, Berlin-Paris overnight train. And I didn't know they'd stopped running the service. Apparently they had. People were just flying between Paris and Berlin. But they've brought back an overnight train. I think that's something romantic about pan-Europe overnight train travel, isn't there? Well, I look forward to hearing your verdict once you've used that. Well, I won't be using it, but I'm very happy to read about it. But in order to mark uh, this maiden journey of the new Berlin link, um, the French transport minister, Clément Beaune, hugged his German counterpart, Volker Wissing, before departing. There's two great names there. The French transport minister, Clément Clément Beaune, Beaune. Beaune, and his German counterpart, Volker Wissing. 
Right. Um, they had a little uh, smooch together because they're friends these days and are off they set on this journey. But uh, this initiative is promoted with the worst photograph ever taken of Clement Byrne, <laughs> the French transport minister, who is standing in what looks like an impossibly cramped overnight bed carriage. How would you describe that? So what's really weird about it is he's got four people in front of him, all presumably very talented, high-level executives, yeah. uh, who are all either sitting on the ground or, or crouched, crouched on the floor. or kneeling, or Mr Bone is some kind of a giant. I mean, he's two foot taller than everybody else. <laughs> there's, there's one rail official, as he's billed here, hovering very close to his erogenous zones, but they're all crammed into the this, this, um, it is bizarre. It, this cabin, which is filled with, but who said crouch, crouch down like that? It looks like they're all having a communal wee. Yeah, absolutely <laughs> terrible. And we'll do nothing at all um, to entice people to use this overnight rail service. No. But anyway, but take um, a, take a picture. We'll have to credit it, won't we? But we'll pop it up on the Insta. Well, the photograph is by yes, it's by Shutterstock. Yeah, well, that's okay, just as long as you include their name. Yeah, okay, well, I'll just pass that over to one side. Anyway, uh, there we are. Uh, So if you do uh, plan to take that rail service, let us know what it's like. And indeed, have you travelled overnight on trains across Europe? Because I do think there is something, I don't know, there's something rather dazzling about getting on a train in Vienna and waking up in Budapest. Yeah, I would agree, Mm. definitely, definitely. Whereas... Getting on at Euston and waking up in Glasgow. It's just not the same. Well, mm. I t- did take a very long train journey from Paris down to Lake Worthensee in Austria uh, about, what, five, six years ago. And it was beautiful because the Austrian rail network... Stop me if at any time I'm losing you, Jane. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> uh, it is nationalised, oh. so it's... No, come on, I've sat through that. Yep. Uh, so the trains are just beautiful. They have, you know, proper linen tablecloths, even in the second class. <laughs> And uh, incredibly clean and very efficient. And it was just a completely different journey. And it was lovely. Really, really lovely. Mm. It was the proper definition of uh, exciting pan-European rail travel. But you're right. If you came back to this country, and even if you're on... I think GNR's not bad sometimes. They've got nice stock. It doesn't have the same kind of whooshing romanticism about it at all. I don't. I'm trying to associate those youths on the bus with whooshing romanticism, and I think they've got quite a long way to travel. And also, it's just the fact that they call a breaded chicken product a schnitzel. It's just better, isn't it? Schnitzel. So schnitzel just is evocative of so many things. It's just you're right. It's just Findus frozen breaded (laughs) chicken. It's not the same. No, it's not. Right. Bring us an email, Jane. Yes, okay. Uh, Do You Know Who I Am is the title of this email from Joe in Salisbury. I was listening to a podcast, your one of your podcasts, I mean, not just any old one, on tonight's Dog Walk. And the tale of Do You Know Who I Am reminded me of something that happened to me many years ago. Now, this will resonate with you, Fee. Uh, in one of my first jobs after uni, it was roughly 1995, I was working in a record shop in Winchester. It was a rather random American chain called Sam Goodies. As one of the managers, I used to deal with shoplifters on a fairly regular basis, and I learned that it's a wide and varied cross-section of society... (coughs) Sorry. (laughs) A wide and varied cross-section of society that likes to steal. Winchester is home to one of the country's most prestigious public schools. 
public schools. Not the nice one up the hill that Fee went to, the other one. And we used to get a lot of Wickhamists in the yeah. shop. Can I just say ours wasn't a public school, it was just a private school. It's okay. different, isn't it? Well, be, it's not quite as knobby. You've totally lost our entire audience outside the UK. One day I watched as two of these chinless wonders, an expression used by Joe, uh, decided to help themselves to a couple of CDs. Waiting until they'd left the shop, as you're not stealing until you've left the store. Oh, that's quite useful to know, isn't it? I mm. followed them, stopped them and asked them to come back into the shop as I believed they'd taken things without paying. At this point, the poshest of the two of them declared rather loudly, do you know who my father is? To which I replied, oh my God, I'm so sorry, as your mother never told you. <laughs> to say his face was a picture would be an understatement. I can't really remember whether he was charged with actual shoplifting, but I'm fairly sure I've repeated my side of this story far more than he has. Uh, Joe in Salisbury. Mm. Thank you for that, Joe. I don't recall the record shop that's Sam that, that chain at all. No, I'm I'm struggling to because there was one record shop in Winchester, um, but I would have been there ten years previously. Yeah, mm. um, and uh, I I don't doubt that there was thieving among among the Wickhamists at all. Wickhamists are people who go to Winchester. That's right. Yeah, so that's, right, okay. that's what they call themselves. And Rishi Sunak, our oh yeah, prime minister, went mm. to Winchester College. Yeah, and I've not kept in touch with anybody that we knew. Back in the day, really. Mm. I'm sure some of them are absolutely lovely guys, but uh, there's a it's a prestigious school, and that's what they seem to wake up every morning telling themselves. <laughs> what? Hello, I'm prestigious. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Mm. Yeah, I don't know, Jane. I, it's the, those aren't my fondest memories. Saltburn is a film that's currently out. Oh God, out. no! Are we going to do this? No, no, no. I just uh, I like this email from Hazel. Uh, Saltburn is a film that I think it's fair to say lots of people have watched. I think it's been quite successful. It, it's properly divided people because there's at least one scene that has. Well, really... are we going to include Eve's description of the scene at the beginning of the podcast? Well, young, you muted that. Yeah. Young okay. Eve has told us what happens in one particular scene. Um, it's let's just call it the bathroom scene, uh, which Maud, as emailed to say, uh, left her feeling decidedly uncomfortable. Uh, the next sexual scene was in a garden, and that shocked me. And I wondered where on earth is the pleasure in that? <laughs> what gardening? Um, no, I've, now, I've never understood that either. To be honest, no, it was something other than gardening, right? Okay, uh, Maud, thank you. Um, mm. So Maud goes on to say that yeah. the, the the bit that she struggles with is the fact that somebody thought to write that and then film it. And I'm really with her on that because yeah, sometimes you can there's say that about any number of scenes. Well, you, you can, but sometimes there are such visceral scenes mm. in movies now. You just think, wow, somebody sat in their room on their own and came up with that. That's quite nasty. You know, that's there's just a that's a dark mind. Yeah. That's a worrying yeah, yeah. mind to me. Yes. Um Hazel though does say uh, being a Yorkshire woman when I heard the title Saltburn, and I've been to Saltburn. It's it's a very interesting. Have you been to Saltburn? No, I've not been to Saltburn. Okay. It's um, it's in the Teesside area, and <laughs> I once did a a week of programming based around the Teesside area, and that included a trip to Saltburn. Anyway, Hazel said, "Would we be able to find that recorded no. in a museum anywhere, Jane?" I think the Saltburn Museum will probably uh, bear record. Uh, anyway, being a Yorkshire woman, says Hazel, as soon as I heard the name Saltburn, I assumed that. Ken Loach had made another brilliant, hard-hitting film, this time about the decline of the steel industry in the northeast of England. I know how wrong I was. It wasn't a reflection on the terrible state of those of us who need levelling up, but a weird sort of bride's head revisited. 
My other half and I went to see it this week. What an experience. I thought it was brilliant, actually. Dark, bizarre, unexpectedly gripping, really well acted and directed. My husband is not quite as convinced as I am and is still reeling, I think, from the weirdness of it. He hasn't recovered yet. Nor is my Pilates teacher's mother-in-law, I don't think. Um, for the book club, though, um, Hazel has an interesting suggestion. Wintering by Catherine May. The blurb says, Wintering is a poignant and comforting meditation on the fallow periods of life. Time is when we must retreat to care for and repair ourselves. Catherine May thoughtfully shows us how to come through these times with the wisdom of knowing that, like the seasons, our winters and our summers are the ebb and flow of life. I've read Wintering by Catherine May. Oh, have you? Okay. And I'd happily put it up for the book club, but it didn't. Uh, it didn't ding my dongs. Oh, at well, all. It, it definitely donged Hazel's dings. Yeah. Um, Hazel, thank you for that, and that's our first suggestion for the next book club. Uh, keep them coming, Jane and Fee at Times Radio. But what's interesting about the suggestion is obviously it's non-fiction. Yes. Which we have said that we might entertain. Yes. And I know loads of people really enjoyed Wintering. I mean, I bought it on a recommendation from a friend. But it just, for me, uh, I was, ex- I don't know what I was expecting, actually, but something maybe a little more, it's quite kind of, it's a warm blanket of solace going on in that book. I found it a bit much after a while. Too much solace. Yeah. Okay, almost a quantum, Jane. Oh, God. Yeah. Uh, We'll take your thoughts as well on the male contraceptive pill, please. Because uh, big news story today. In the UK. That 16 men are undergoing a trial to take the male contraceptive pill. This is happening in Nottingham. Uh, And it could be the start of a revolution in contraception. And just the word could is doing quite a lot of heavy lifting there, I think. <laughs> it is, but it's such an interesting debate because it's about trust and it's about perceptions of people's sense of responsibility. It's about what we've all felt when we've had to take the pill or decided not to take the pill. Now it's on them. I'd just be very interested to hear people's thoughts about it. And we had a lovely chat with a very nice young man today on the radio programme who was deliciously honest uh, about how his generation might feel about it. And I felt a bit quite encouraged. I thought he said some very good things. Mm. Well, what else could he say? Come on the radio live to talk to a couple of old harpies and say... That's true. It's kind of self-selecting, isn't <laughs> yes, it? Slightly. Yeah, but he also... Uh, we corpsed as well, and I can't repeat why we did, but there was just one of those, <laughs> one of those moments <sighs> where we were trying so hard with our 638 years of broadcasting experience between us not to both giggle at the same thing that accidentally slipped out. <laughs> Anyway. Oh, get on with it. <laughs> but our big guest today uh, was the multi-talented Catherine Jakeways, uh, who has taken an unfinished novel by Edith Wharton and turned it into a 21st century friendly Apple TV sensation called The Buccaneers, or as Eve likes to say, The Buccaneers. <laughs> And I don't know why. Still making me laugh, that one. Uh, so she's very talented, isn't she, Catherine? Yeah. She's done loads and loads she's of other She's a good things. woman. Yeah. Uh, she's written a lot of, of plays for Radio 4. She's written a number of uh, successful series, including one, genuinely one of my favourites, North by Northamptonshire, which is this 
just bone dry, brilliant uh, radio sitcom about a small village in Northamptonshire with some amazing people in it. Sheila Hancock, Penelope Wilton, uh, just some cracking observations about the the niceties and the non-entities of of British life, I would say. No, she's she's a good woman. Uh, But now I think it's fair to say she is properly hitting the big time and she's worked very hard to achieve this success. I put it to Catherine that she has more strings to her bow than you could cock a snook at. I didn't know how you a bow, let alone with strings. Oh, on it. you've got a I've bow. I've done some acting. Yeah. Yes, you're a comedian and now you're a writer. Um, I don't know where to start, but your most important role was in the Archers. <laughs> <laughs> I As, loved doing the Archers. Yes. I've done a few episodes. I okay. think I've appeared every now and then when Alice has needed somebody to. Alice is uh, in on AA. The right track. Let me yeah. know when this is over. <laughs> Alice is in AA and you're her sponsor, aren't you? I am. Yeah. I think, yes, I've only been in it a few times. I don't know how Alice is getting on now with her drinking. She's all right. I slightly hope she might go off the wagon. (laughs) Oh, that's right. That's absolutely outrageous. Right, we'll we'll park Ambridge right there. Um, A lot of people listening, uh, I imagine, will be at home, will be people who would love to be a writer and hear someone introduced to someone who's written an Apple TV show and think, I'd like a slice of that pie. But it's not yeah. been all that easy to get here, has it? It's been a long old road, I would say. I did my first radio show uh, over 10 years ago and I spent 10 years sort of writing radio and every now and then pitching bits of television and sort of getting to places and almost getting there. And I made a pilot and I did a couple of things and nearly got there. But no, it's been, yeah, it's been at least a decade of sort of toiling away doing other stuff uh, and writing uh, less well-paid things. Yes, well, I was about to ask, don't worry, we're going to get on to yes, how much oh, sure. Apple, Apple TV well, is you giving would. you. Um, but writing for the BBC, for example, is uh, time-consuming, at times, I imagine, soul-destroying, and also very lonely, because you're sitting there trying to bang it out, and are you someone who can work with a bit of noise going on, or do you need no, real quiet? silence, and I find that's annoying for everybody around me. I've got better at being able to have the odd sort of noise in the background, but no, if there's a radio on or any kind of music, I can't work. So no, I do need to have uh, no noise at all at home when I'm working annoyingly for everyone. But I, uh, yes, in radio, it's basically you and one producer who's sort of a producer slash director, as you know, when you're doing sort of scripted stuff. So you're very much left to it, which is obviously great in Mm. lots of ways. Uh, but it's only once I've discovered the sort of joys of having a team of people who are really much more experienced and uh, efficient than I am around me that I've realised how, you know, how lovely that is as well, actually, because you do then, uh, you, you know, there's always somebody you can talk to and be on the phone to or be in a room with and kind of spark ideas off and sort of they can go, no, absolutely not. No, you're not having that. Uh, and if you trust them, then that's that's half the battle. Take us, uh, we can't, probably haven't got time to t- take us on the entire journey, but you move from writing critically acclaimed stuff for the BBC yeah. to being told by somebody at Apple Television, take all the money and just <laughs> give us a version of the Buccaneers, please. It wasn't quite that straightforward, but yes, I get what you're saying. It, yes, the production company the forge had heard some of my radio plays and liked them and thought i would be a decent match for edith wharton's sort of style which is mainly character based mainly women often quite funny but sort of uh with pathos as well so they asked me to do a version of a script of the buccaneers and apple liked it very much and commissioned another one and yes it was in telly terms it was actually quite a straightforward once it once the ball was rolling it actually happened quite quickly yeah but it was still three or four years of kind of lockdown writing uh in a bedroom with you know everybody around me trying to do homeschooling and stuff and what makes the buccaneers buccaneering 
They are a group of vibrant, uh, sort of uh, articulate, beautiful, rich women from America who come over in the 1870s to aristocratic England in order to find husbands according to their parents and according to them, because they are young women and they're going out with their friends for the first time and off on a big adventure with all their girlfriends, they are looking for uh, good times and fun with their friends and maybe they might meet some boys along the way, but actually it's more about the fact that they're going to be there with their mates and having a great time. So they are coming over and sort of finding this whole new world of uh, titles in England and assuming that it's all going to be plain sailing. Of course it isn't. And what starts as quite sort of joyous and frothy and uh, entertaining quite quickly over the course of the series becomes much more sort of uh, serious and obviously hopefully it's funny and and sort of joyful along the way but it does become sort of slightly darker in places and mm. by the end certainly of the series and the finale is uh, out today so the whole uh, series is now available away episodes it is sort of a quite different beast to, to what it starts out as actually because their journeys have become so sort of um sorry to use the word journey always very self-conscious about using the word journey yeah. it's sometimes quite hard to avoid isn't it the well uh, yes i mean anybody with the amount of experience i've had of avanti west uh, tries to avoid <laughs> I, I, I mentioned avanti west at least once a program because quite they just right. need the airing frankly <laughs> it just maybe one day they'll improve um yes i mean the the first episode. Right. Yes, no. Um, <laughs> I don't have to use them for a week or so, so we're all right. You're fine. Um, the very first episode of the Buccaneers is just ablaze with colour and, as you say, vibrancy and verve. And it is. It's great fun, and these women are amazingly sort of articulate, and they they kind of move as a pack, and they're like whirlwinds that they yes, turned up in yeah. these kind of stiff. Uh, aristocratic and it really happened, rooms. didn't it? Absolutely, yeah. It was absolutely uh, a phenomenon. Winston Churchill's mother, of course, was the sort of most famous of the of these dollar princesses who came over from New York in, Is that what in they were called dollar the princesses. Yes, that's how. Mm. The and were we sending was... women over to America to meet the rich American men? I don't think so. No, I think it was more of a transactional thing because the English needed the cash. You see, they they had the titles and the but they had these crumbling stately homes where they were desperate for the the injection of cash. So they were allowed allowing these women to come over and marry their sons and the all, most of the women were actually new money so they weren't able to get sort of invited to parties in New York mm. and the New York society was very sniffy about it. I tell you because... what that's a points-based immigration system there. Well isn't it, it is actually. actually it is. <laughs> it is. It completely is. There's a lot of sort of uh similarities actually and it does strike chords down yeah. the line with those kind of stories absolutely. It was the Downton Abbey story as well wasn't it? Yeah I think it? there was a character yeah. in Downton who did it. Yeah, yeah. Lady Lady Downton or Lady, Lady Abbey. One of the Lady one of the Downton yeah, absolutely. or Abbey. Hugh Bonneville's Lady Wife yeah, I think one was, was one of those Gilded Age American ladies. Yes. Yeah. But I was just thinking um watching it you can whiff the money. And I think there was probably more dollars spent on the very first scene of The Buccaneers than on how many series of North by Northamptonshire for Radio oh, 4? Three I mean, and a Christmas special. Yeah, I think there were... I think there was a lot more money. Yeah, there's a lot of um, beautiful locations and uh, it's, we filmed the whole thing in Scotland. So although it's set in Cornwall and London and New York, the whole thing was filmed in Scotland for the whole of last year. So these amazing sort of cliff tops and stately homes and castles and the sort of streets that double for New York and double for London in uh, that we filmed in either Edinburgh or Glasgow. Uh, but it is beautiful. And we did, yeah, the... the it, Great care has been taken with the sets. And I mean, some of the sets, I didn't say sex, I said sets. Oh, yes, I was worried I by your face. Um, <laughs> Lots of people have been worried oh, by it. Yeah. <laughs> Great care has also been taken with the sets. But the, the sets were 
unbelievably detailed and beautiful and handmade wallpaper made and chaise longs. And the costumes. A, yeah, the costumes are stunning. They really are. Yeah. Yeah. So now that streaming services are making such high quality and successful drama, mm. where does that leave the BBC? Do you think in 30, 40 years' time, a writer like yourself would not have on their CV all of that early BBC stuff? Oh, that's a really good question. I'd, I'd be sad to think that was the case because I was so sort of grateful for those years of doing stuff on the radio and doing, you know, the the learning that happens when you're having to do uh, that many episodes of something uh, with so little interference. Um, <laughs> or is, encouragement. Is enormous. Or encouragement. <laughs> Certainly none of that, no. Um, having not done any BBC telly, I don't know whether it's the same, but I would imagine it's similar that you... Uh, I mean, in obviously, all television, there is a bit more encouragement and also uh, interference than there is in mm. any of the kind of radio stuff that I did. But I think the BBC are going to have to... I would love to think... I mean, I'm a huge fan of the BBC, as I'm sure we all are, in terms of their uh, sort of sentimentality, and we sort of want that as a... As a um, as a force for good. But, but if other people can is... do it, then you can't maintain the argument that everyone should pay for it. I think that's a possibility, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think that, truthfully, if I think about what I actually watch these days on telly, very little of it is the BBC. And that's not for want of trying or looking for stuff. Well, you've tried to get your own stuff but commissioned by the BBC. <laughs> absolutely. But inevitably, you do go for the more sort of high-end, more um, sort of the stuff that's got the... Uh, money. The stars in it and the stuff that you've heard of and then truthfully the money I suppose behind yeah. it not that, that you know not that there haven't been brilliant mm. very cheap you know, things don't apologise for the sorry, money sorry I'm don't, sorry don't. Uh, North by Northamptonshire if anybody hasn't heard it is it still available to listen to actually I think it will be yeah well, they all I tried to find that. it and I couldn't. I oh, couldn't really? find it. I mean, Surely, it's, I'm always getting messages saying it's been repeated on on um, various. Extra. Uh, um, actually, yeah. but, okay, but I mean, it's, but it will be on BBC Sounds, I think. Okay, well, that's where I looked. I couldn't find it. Yeah, um, it, it is. It's I'm very, very proud of that. It's then. very funny, Catherine. Thank I mean, there you. are just these endless throwaway memorable lines, like you describe. What was the name of the village in North by Northampton? Waddenbrook. Waddenbrook had yeah. a post office that sold teapots in the shape of buildings. Oh. Do you remember that? I, that does ring a bell, and if I did put that line in, it will be based on the Jill Wing Shop on Upper Street in uh, London, which used to always sell teapots in the shape of buildings, and I was quite obsessed with. And it's quite what was the closed. strangest building that they ever had a teapot in the shape of? Did they try and do the shard? I think no. I think it'd be shard. mainly uh, thatched cottages, wouldn't? Oh, it? I see. Yes, right. that kind of teapot. Yeah, no, I don't think you'd be recognising them and picking them out. They're just kind of quaint little. Okay. Streets that you well, I think, there's a, I think there's an opening in the market for modern buildings. <laughs> yeah, you do that for Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Euston Station. I mean, I'd love to drink a cup of tea out of that. Yeah. Um, uh, we just wanted to say, make it clear to people, if they want some escapism, but a little bit more, The Buccaneers is on Apple TV right now. Great soundtrack as well. Oh, fantastic soundtrack. Female-heavy cast. All women. And entirely women on the soundtrack. All women on the soundtrack, virtual women in the cast, although lots of good men as well, and mainly female creatives and team behind it. And it is... We're hugely proud of it, actually. By the sort of finale, which comes out today, I just, you know, it's all about the women and all about their sort of rallying for each other. Mm. And there's a great love triangle at the centre of it, which has set yeah. the internet slightly alight about Team Guy or Team Theo, but really mm. it's about her choosing her friends and her sister yeah. at the end. So You should always choose. Oh, absolutely. I don't have a sister, which? but if I did, she would... Oh, you, you know, should always choose should feature heavily. I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> and my sister won't be listening, so that's all right. Uh, now let's move on seamlessly to the male contraceptive pill. 
which right. is, uh, we are told, Fiona, is? Well, we've got some uh, fantastic suggestions because we were looking for a slightly more enigmatic and imaginative title for it, brand name for it. What's it currently uh, called? Well, it's currently, what is it, VCY529, which yeah, isn't particularly very well catchy. Yep. Well done. Uh, so this one comes from Sue Freeman, who says... YCT529. I'm so sorry. Uh, God knows what would happen if you took CVY. I, I dread to think. Uh, <laughs> what's wrong with a name along the lines of uh, Vagifem and Anus? <laughs> So, Sue, well, you see, this is the problem. You shouldn't be laughing. Because they clearly identify where you're meant to put those creams, and that is helpful in, you know, a dark bathroom of an evening. Uh, So Sue suggests it should simply be called the penis stop. I think that's fair enough. (laughs) It might catch on. Uh, I think that'd be useful as well, because men would then be less likely to forget it, because if you'd said, have you remembered your penis today, they would, yes... Every yeah. two minutes, I've remembered it. Exactly. So, Blankety yeah. blank is the suggestion that's come from many people, <laughs> uh, including Tim in Acton. Yeah. And uh, Andy suggests a Jaffa pill, and that's because the Jaffa mm. oranges are seedless. Yeah. Uh, but in truth, uh, I wonder whether women would be prepared to give away, well, the certainty. That's if you can depend the control. upon the control. If you can depend upon yourself to take the pill. How many women would honestly be willing to trust a man to do it? Or am I just being unfair? What do you think? I, my husband's relatively trustworthy, I would say, but I still think that I would find it more stressful having to remind him every day. Or for having, I, It's not something that I think I would ever be able to just, uh, you know, seed control of. Oh, so to speak. Yeah. Um, I think so. I think you would still you'd be thinking about it even more, actually. I think it would actually be more of a, an effort for women because you'd constantly have to say, have you taken it? Have you taken it? Whereas if you're taking it yourself, you're just it becomes second nature. So I feel mean saying that to men and I'm sure men would be able to. But it's something that would take a long time for you to actually be confident in, I think. Yeah. And this is, I guess, where they where the problem lies. I would just like to say something on behalf of men who worry enormously about getting women pregnant. And I think I completely hear what you're saying. Mm-hmm. And I know that that, uh, that you're saying the same thing, Jane. But I don't think you can underestimate the fear, especially for young men, of getting a woman pregnant. You know, it is... That's I think true. that there just is a more responsible attitude towards sex, actually. And a certainly more talked about responsibility. That's lovely to hear. Is that... So I yeah. just hope that uh, that we can trust men to take it. And the statistics are interesting, that uh, as many men want to take the fe- the male pill as women want to take the female pill at the oh, moment. Oh, that is interesting. Can so the man take it and the woman still be on the pill as well? Oh, you yeah. kind of double-bubble it. You, you could, could double-bubble, yeah. I wonder yeah. if that's what would end or up happening. you could just hold hands. <laughs> you could actually just have a nice cup of tea. That's always an option, yeah. Catherine. <laughs> and a cold shower. Yeah. We decided to uh, hurl a topical question about the male contraceptive pill at Catherine Jakeways uh, towards the end of that conversation. That's us. We just can't resist just being topical. One of those things. And uh, I hope you recognise the fact that's why I introduced the male pill to the conversation before we went into that. Otherwise, it wouldn't make any sense. Do you know what? You are you're so good sometimes that it takes my breath away. So I'm afraid I'm not able to say anything else. <laughs> Uh, right, it is Jane and Fee at Times.radio. We love hearing from you. We would happily take suggestions for the book club. But do you know what? I think both Jane and I fully recognise uh, we're in the Christmas season. Everybody's got a list. Nobody gets to the end of it. Possibly the last thing that you need to think about is recommending a book to uh, us 
birds perched on a wire nattering away. You can leave it till January. Uh, we'll still be taking your suggestions then, so don't mm. sweat it. Don't sweat it. And if you want to suggest Ian Beefy Botham's autobiography, that would be great because I've read that. <laughs> Is that good? <laughs> what do you think? Anyway, uh, a Christmas dinner tomorrow. Looking forward to that. Plus, we're going to record Miriam Margulies because she's banned from being live. <laughs> she's so and is. our guest tomorrow on the podcast, and you'll definitely enjoy this, is Maria McCurlane. So can we just make our Miriam Margulies bingo card? So it's definitely got an onion on it. Fart. A fart and a radish uh, and the F word and possibly the C word. Let's see how many we can get through. OK, yes. Going home for a lie down, I think, in preparation. Well done for getting to the end of another episode of Off Air with Jane Garvey and Fee Glover. Our Times radio producer is Rosie Cutler and the podcast executive producer is Henry Tribe. And don't forget, there is even more of us every afternoon on Times Radio. It's Monday to Thursday, 3 till 5. You can pop us on when you're pottering around the house or heading out in the car on the school run. Or running a bank. Thank you for joining us and we hope you can join us again on Off Air very soon. Don't be so silly. Running a bank? I know, lady. A lady listener. I'm sorry. (laughs) 